All right, all right, take your seats, everyone. This time we're talking about stress and stressors. So take your seats, please. Thank you. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast, a show for people who want to reach their personal goals even when life inevitably happens. I'm Monica Reinagle. And I'm Brock Armstrong. And speaking of life. Right, speaking of life, 84% of adults surveyed recently by the American Psychological Association reported feeling stressed out. Yeah, no lie. By life. (laughs) (laughs) Two thirds say that they feel overwhelmed by the issues they face. And you know what? This is no way to live, (laughs) much less thrive. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the importance of distinguishing between stress and stressors. Because this can be the first step towards reducing the negative effect both on our bodies as well as on our lives. That sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, stress really does seem to be the scourge of modern life. Not only are more people reporting feeling more stressed more of the time, but they're also convinced that the stress that they experience is harmful to them because that's a message we've gotten over and over and over in the media. Right. And ironically, When we believe that stress is damaging to our health or to our performance, it actually does more damage. It's another example of what we were talking about in that recent episode on how our expectations often predict our actual experience. Right. And not just in our minds, but in our bodies. Our biology actually reacts. It's so fascinating. Exactly. Actually, there's a, a one of my favorite studies about exactly that it was published in the Frontiers of Psychology in 2020. And it was called Stress, Mindsets and Success. And in that study, they actually aimed to show that participants with stress is enhancing mindsets, people who believe stress enhances their health, performance and well-being, that they will outperform those with stress is debilitating mindsets. And you know what? They totally proved that. It really does. Yeah, there have been several studies on that. And the results are quite convincing, you know, that what we believe about how stress affects us becomes true. And so many of us feel that our stress is beyond our control. And I really think that feeling powerless and helpless, that's obviously just going to add to our stress. Oh, undoubtedly. So I want to suggest here that the way we talk and think about the stress in our lives is not really very adaptive. It's not Hmm. serving us very well. And for one thing, we tend not to distinguish between stress and stressors. And this is a really important distinction. Stressors are the things that happen to us or even just happen around us. And stress is our reaction to the things that are happening. And they are not the same. I I really like that you said that the way that we talk and think about stress is not terribly adaptive. Because really, that's like the crux of it, isn't it? It's not that it's not helpful or that it's dumb or we're doing a bad job of it. We're just not thinking of it in an adaptive kind of way. It's a really good way to to frame it. Yeah. So let's unpack this a little bit and start by just talking about stressors. So stressors are the things in our environment or circumstances that challenge us or require us to adapt or to respond. So stressors can include anything from a threat to our physical safety, and that can be a real threat or even just a perceived threat. Right. But it can also include things like a challenging task that's going to earn us some sort of social capital. So that could be winning a video game or graduating from college or getting a promotion. 
And the point that I want to make here is that stressors are not always negative. Mm -hmm. So obviously, getting a scary diagnosis or losing your job or even just missing a flight are negative events. But getting married, having a baby, moving to a new city or getting a new job, those are also stressors in that they're going to require us to adapt or respond. But those experiences can also be quite wonderful. So simply recognizing that the source of the stress or the stressor is something positive, or even if it's not positive, it's temporary, can really change how it affects us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I used to get stressed out and nervous when preparing for and recording these podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. But after 80 some episodes, I think we're on 87 right now. Yeah, I can fully acknowledge that what I'm feeling is excitement not stress per se, which incidentally, speaking of biology, actually releases those same biological and hormonal responses in the body as stress does, excitement and stress, which is really cool. And now that I know that, I know that that clammy palm, cold feet, butterfly feeling, well, I can actually interpret that as, yay, podcast time instead of, oh no, podcast time, (laughs) even though it really does feel the same. Well, actually, I would say that the clammy palms and the butterflies that you're feeling are stress. Oh, yeah. Because remember, stress is simply what happens in our bodies and brains when confronted with a stressor. In this case, the podcast recording session. So what you just said, you know, it's it creates the same biological and hormonal response in the body either way. But what's great, what's adaptive is that you've either learned or chosen to interpret those same physical symptoms as excitement instead of dread. Highly adaptive. Right, right. That's a great point. I accidentally, once again, labeled stress as being a bad thing and excitement being a good thing when they're exactly the same thing. We just need to be adaptive about how we think of it. Yeah, the response is actually neutral until we assign a meaning to it. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that response. So generally speaking, our stress response primes us for action. That's its job. And it's going to do this in a number of ways, from dialing up our heart rate and our blood sugar to imagining everything that could possibly go wrong. (laughs) And, you know, no discussion of the stress response would be complete if we did not invoke ye old saber-tooth tiger. We always have to mention the saber-tooth tiger. And yes, always. the stress response is what helps us outrun the saber-tooth tiger. But it's also what helps us outmaneuver an opponent or execute a double play or even what enables us to remember under pressure how to spell Moriah, which was the word that 14-year-old Zayla Avant-Garde of Louisiana spelled correctly to win the 2021 Scripps National Spelling Bee. Congratulations, Zyla. What a smarty pants. Can you spell Mariah, Brock? Want to take a uh, crack well, at it? <laughs> I have it written in front of me, but I actually would have <laughs> probably spelt it like the uh, the pop singer's name. <laughs> well, for the, oh, Mariah, right. No, for our yeah. listeners, just in case you're wondering, the Mariah is a kind of tree, I believe, and it is spelled M-U-R-R-A-Y. There you go. But anyway, the point is just (laughs) that just as stressors can be positive things, the stress response also makes a lot of good things possible. And when we feel those physical effects of stress, remembering that this simply means that our bodies and our brains are priming us 
to perform at our very best. That can really change how we experience those bodily sensations. For some reason, even when we first started talking about covering this topic, an episode of the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there was a, a, a section of one of the episodes that came to mind almost immediately where one of the police detectives, who's very good at her job, she is the best detective in the squad, and she's a police detective, so her job is very stressful by definition. Right. But when she plays games with the rest of the squad and does some silly things, she gets all flustered and, and she loses the games. Now, here's a little quote from the episode, I think, that goes along with what we're talking about. So Amy says, I can't believe I lost again. I was so psyched up for this. What happened? And her coworker Jake said, well, maybe being so psyched up for it is what happened. Like every time we're doing police work, you are always super smart and you stay calm and you take your time. But every time we do dumb games like this, you get all frantic and act like a crazy idiot. <laughs> My advice next time, don't act like a crazy idiot. And then Amy says, thanks, that's surprisingly insightful. So my point is that in this case, Amy getting all psyched up is the stress. And she's getting psyched up for the game, which is the stressor. And that's what's causing her to react poorly and lose the game. So in her job, she's able to identify the stressor and see it for what it is, a crime or a puzzle to solve. But when she plays games with her friends, she lets the stressors overwhelm her and she gets stressed out and loses the game. Right. And the operative term there is stressed out, mm -hmm. right? Not stressed, stressed out. Right. You know, that's where it tips into that negative interpretation. But Meanwhile, I'm just going to bookmark that phrase, don't act like a crazy idiot. <laughs> so I can just pull that out at a moment's notice. I feel like that's going to be so helpful, especially in our interactions, Brock. I feel like I'll be getting emails with subject line, <laughs> don't, don't act, act like, like a crazy, crazy idiot. idiot. <laughs> okay, to recap where we are so far. Stressors and stress are very different things. And here's why this matters. When we can distinguish one from the other, it opens up a lot more options for dealing with each of them more effectively. And that's really the heart of this episode. Right. And also, by the way, this is also one of several themes that we explore in a lot more detail in my program on overcoming stress and emotional eating. And I mention that only because I'm going to be offering it again this fall. Um, I don't want to take time with this now, but if you want more information on that, just go to wayless.life slash stress for more on the stress eating program. But now back to the discussion at hand. All right. Let's talk about how we can deal with stressors. So once you've separated the stress that you're feeling, maybe in your body, maybe in your brain from the stressor, that thing that's causing it, well, then you can consider what options you may have for dealing just with that stressor. Can you distance yourself or otherwise modify your relationship to the stressor. And in order to do this effectively, you may need to be a little bit more specific than you're used to being. For example, you may be in the habit of saying that your job is a huge stressor in your life, but mm -hmm. you know, leaving your job is not an option for you. So you're, you're stuck. But what is it exactly about your job that is stressful? Is it unreasonable deadlines? Is it a coworker who isn't pulling their weight? Is it a workplace that doesn't feel safe? 
if you can identify more specifically what the stressors are, then you may be in a much better position to pursue possible remedies to those specific things. Yeah. And I think you're also less likely to take them personally. You're right. I think a lot of us take these very personally. In fact, Dr. Cynthia Ackrell, who's a leader in the field of stress mastery, she wrote this. We have this concept in our minds that stress is something that happens to us, and this is the way it's discussed in our world. Something is happening to us, and this is actually a myth. We say things like, our boss is making us stressed, the project is making us stressed, the stack of dirty dishes is making us stressed, but no one, nothing is making you stressed. Your boss, the project, the dirty dishes, that's a stressor. Your boss may be a stressor, somebody or something presenting a challenge to you, but what is the real cause of stress? Well, that is perception. Right. Even if you can't eliminate or avoid a given circumstance, simply changing your interpretation of that circumstance may indeed reduce the stress response in your body. And meanwhile, I just want to say, how cool is it to be a leader in the field of stress mastery? Yeah. Stress mastery. I want that on my business card. Well, right. And it just, it goes to underline the fact that stress isn't necessarily something that we need to avoid. We just want to master it. We want to master it, right. <laughs> but you know what? It is amazing when we really start to look at the stressors in our life, when we separate that out, it's amazing how many of them are actually completely optional. Mm. People that we could actually choose to spend less time with, or even just to set better boundaries with, or activities that we don't actually need to be doing, or thoughts that are entirely optional. I know we've talked about that a lot <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. And often, you know, in these sorts of situations, you know, talking out the stressor with a trusted friend or an advisor can be really helpful in identifying those blind spots, places where you actually have more options than you realize, than you're seeing. But again, I just want to say, you may need to dig down a little bit deeper and get a little bit more specific than just, well, my job is stressful or my relationship or my life is stressful. You need that more specific granular insight. Right. And once you've gotten really specific, then you can choose another option, which is to choose how you react to that stressor. And I always am bringing up the Stoic philosophers and CBT, and I'm going to do it again because both Stoic philosophers and CBT practitioners both believe that it's not what happens that matters, but how we react to it. So staying present and not what we call fortune-telling or catastrophizing will allow us to manage our stress better. And the Stoic philosophers believe that we need to learn to be patient and practice self-restraint in these situations. And in this case, the self-restraint would be not allowing our minds to blow that stressor out of proportion and turn it into something that it doesn't need to be. Right. It's a great example of thoughts that are absolutely optional. Right. Right. And just realizing that they're optional gives us the, uh, the ability to choose these different ways of looking at them or approaching them. And here's a quick tip. When you're feeling stressed out uh, about a specific thing, try thinking the words, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> because this type of positive self-talk can actually help us manage negative emotions and lower anxiety levels. And remember what you have managed to get through in the past. We often forget how resilient we have been and can be. 
remembering the times when we thought nothing would get better, but it did, or when we coped just fine, can help us stay positive. That is some truth right there. And you know, I was thinking to myself that stop acting like a crazy idiot isn't a good candidate for our merch store, but bring it on is... Probably, yeah. yeah I'm seeing the coffee cup. Bring it that on. Would make a good throw cushion. <laughs> that's right. Embroider that right on a pillow. Throw pillow. Okay, so we have a variety of options in terms of how we can deal with stressors. We may be able to avoid or mitigate the actual circumstances. We can reframe our perception of the situation. We can be more intentional or stoic <laughs> about how we choose to react. But look, completely independent of how we deal with the stressor, we can also deal with the effects of the stress response on our body and brain. So I'm not just talking about the cognitive response or how we're going to choose to interpret or frame the situation. I'm talking about the ways that we can deal with the physiological effects, those clammy palms and butterflies and beating heart. Right. Because it doesn't really matter what's causing our stress or whether we're interpreting it as a good thing or a bad thing. We still don't want to get stuck in that primed for action mode. Although it can be very adaptive, very useful, our bodies are simply not designed to be in that escaping the saber-toothed tiger mode all of the time. We really need opportunities to rest and to recharge. And so we need to find ways to regularly signal to our brains and our bodies that it's safe to do that. And I think that's kind of what we are missing in our modern lives. I mean, prehistoric life, saber-toothed tiber-like, that was plenty stressful, but there were more opportunities to rest and recharge, and we've kind of forgotten how to do that. Mm -hmm. So there are some ways that we can signal to our bodies and our brains that, okay, we can stand down, we can rest, we can recharge. And here are some of them. Physical exercise, social interaction, anything that makes you laugh, extending kindness to others, and exchanging physical affection with another human or even a pet. These are all powerful ways to recover from the effects of the stress response and to regulate the central nervous system. And again, all of these things are available to us even when we feel like we have no control over the stressor. And if you need a little bit more information about that, we did an entire episode during our 50,000 mile tune-up series. Right. And we'll Put a link in the show notes to that. It was all about how to uh, shift into neutral, so to speak. That's right. It was the one on transmission. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, okay. Here are some takeaways that I've gotten from our conversation so far. When we believe that stress is damaging to our health or our performance, it actually does more damage. Mm. Then, remembering that stress primes our bodies and brains to perform at their best can change how we experience the physical effects of stress. Next, when we can separate the stressors from the stress, we can deal with each of them more effectively. And finally, even when we feel that we have no control over the stressor, we can take steps to deal with the effects of our stress response. Yeah, that's a a lot of good takeaways. All right, as always, we want to send you away, not just with some solid takeaways, but with some concrete ideas on how to apply this information. Because remember, we're not just consuming content here. No. <laughs> we are about creating change. So here's your lab experiment. 
Next time you hear yourself saying, even to yourself, I'm so stressed, or this is so stressful, we want you to stop and take these four steps. Step one, identify the stressor as specifically as you can. What exactly about this situation is challenging and why? Step number two, consider your options for dealing with the stressor. Are there steps that you could take to make this situation less stressful? And don't forget that asking for help is always a great action step. Step number three, Remind yourself that stress is not your enemy. It allows you to do your best work and your best problem solving. So if now is the time for action, use that state of activation to your advantage. And step four, if now is not the time for action, or you've already taken whatever action you can, then signal to your body and your brain that it is safe to relax. Get some exercise. Do something that makes you laugh. Go cuddle with your partner or pet the dog. And stop being a crazy idiot. And stop being a crazy idiot. (laughs) Okay. Hey, listen, if you'd like to go deeper into this topic and specifically how it relates to stress eating and emotional eating, please consider joining me for my five-week mini course, which starts on October 23rd, and we are recording in 2022. And details for that are at wayless.life slash stress. All right. We'll be back again soon. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagle and Brock Armstrong. You can find the show notes at changeacademypodcast.com.